Welcome to Half Hour Call, the 35-ish minute CPD monthly podcast for drama teachers and theatre educators. And in this month's episode, and indeed the first podcast episode of 2022, Lucy Bellingham from We Teach Drama is a guest host, bringing us an in-conversation with our very own Holly Barrandell, a drama teaching assistant principal who's in charge of all aspects of early career teaching and development. Joining her is Sarah Woodman, an early career teacher, a drama ECT, who works at the Henry Box School in Whitney, Oxfordshire. Sarah did her BA honours and her PGCE at Reading. So between the two of them, they're going to be talking us through the new early career framework and what that means and entails for early career teachers. Hello, I'm Lucy Bellingham from We Teach Drama, and today I'm going to be talking to Holly Baradell and Sarah Woodman about the new ECT framework. So I'd like to introduce Holly Baradell first of all. Holly trained at Bristol Old Vic as a stage manager. She's the co-founder of Open Drama UK. She now works at Skinner's Kent Academy as an assistant principal in charge of curriculum progress and learning. Uh, which includes a key responsibility for the development of early career teachers. So welcome Holly today. Thank you Lucy, it's nice to be introduced for a change and not have to be the one introducing. (laughs) Well it's lovely to chat to you and it's going to be brilliant because obviously your role, which you're going to tell us a little bit about in a moment, is that you are in charge of of ECTs within your school but obviously have have a drama background, have managed departments as well. Um, I mean, the ECT, um, the new early career teaching framework has been in place since September. um, And it's been quite a big shift, hasn't it, from the NQT system that we're used to. So it'd be lovely to hear, first of all, um, about the changes and what the main changes have been. Yeah, and it's it's been a really big shift, not just for those who join you as, a, as an early career teacher in NQT. It's a change for anyone at, at any stage in the, in the profession, um, from the head teachers right down to um, those, like I said, those colleagues just starting. And I suppose the biggest shift um, is the fact that we've gone from a one year induction period to a two year. Um, it's obviously started and became um, apparent that it was needed because we were starting to look at obviously recruitment and retention within the profession. And the fact that, you know, really, if you actually break it down, you were getting sort of nine months when you were training to teach. And then again, another nine months while you did your induction. So, um, you know, on the face of it, a really good idea to extend that training to two years um, and to give, you know, it's an, and it's always referred to as an entitlement. It's the entitlement um, of these early career teachers to protect and nurture and really develop them and help them feel supported in, in the profession. Um, it's, it's an evidence-based framework um, and it's very much there to kind of work on the pedagogy and the development of, of subject knowledge and enhancing lifelong kind of development as, as a teacher. Um, uh, kind of more broadly which you know something for the entire country no matter where you're based and where you're teaching is that the school wherever you may be um, has to select from one of three options of how they're going to approach this for their ECTs. They can either go with the um, completely funded option 
which is a provider-led program. This is tended from all, you know, the, the conversations I've had and people that I've met, this tends to be the most common approach um, because it's, it's sort of less labour intensive initially to get started for, for colleagues. Um, and of course it, it's funded. So if you're, if you're in a state school, it's fully funded by the DfE, um, which of course <laughs> helps in terms of budgets. Um, the, the second option is that you deliver, that the school decides to deliver their own programme, but uses the DfE materials um, to support that. Or you go for the third option, which is to design and deliver com completely um, your own e ECF based um, induction. Uh, and obviously you'd have to refer to the various kind of units and what needs to be taught within that. And I, I have to say to this point, I haven't met anybody who's decided to design and deliver their own um, induction because you know that would be quite onerous um and we all know that in teaching no matter at what stage you are in the profession you are particularly time poor and dependent where you are in the country um ects are supported and sort of quality assured by appropriate bodies to make sure that all schools are providing access to an early career framework whether it's fully funded or one they've created for themselves um, you know and that's obviously part of a quality assurance program um, it's regardless of the approach that's been taken and it's it's checked by this appropriate body and the appropriate bodies there's kind of three options but the most common are either a local authority that does it or the teaching school hubs um, so where I'm based, um, I'm in West Kent, and most of West Kent are using um, the Kent Teaching School Hub. So there are appropriate body. Um, and then from that, so we've got our approach that we choose to take. Then we've got the appropriate body that kind of checks we're doing what we should be doing. Um, and then from there, we, if you've gone with the fully funded um, provider-led programme, you've got six providers that you can choose to work with. And everyone will be kind of doing one of these six if they've gone with that option. So that's the uh, Ambition Institute, the Best Practice Network, Capita, or Education Development Trust, Teach First, or the Institute of Education at UCL, University College London. Um, and it'll be, it'll be interesting in a moment when you introduce um, our other colleague that's with us today, because it'll be nice to see what, what, what provider they're working with, if they've gone down the fully funded um, programme, and just so we can have a conversation about the different approaches that we can take. Great. So it all sounds really positive in the sense that, you know, it is about providing more support, isn't it? And I think that teachers... I believe in their first year have a 10% reduction on their timetable who are who are following the early career framework and 5% in the second year. So again, that's really positive that at least they've been to have this dedicated time because I've also had a look at the materials and it's pretty in depth, isn't it? What they have to do, it really is, you know, quite full on um, the materials they have to engage with. It is, um, it, it, and it's, I mean, from the, the engagement that we've had at our school, it's very structured um, and I think for schools that are like I've said previously I'm going to use that phrase quite a bit but you know being time poor and uh, but nevertheless really wanting to support your early career teachers and making sure that they do feel nurtured and they're going to excel you know having that structure and also not just being the, that one person and thinking right I'm the induction mentor I've got to look after this person you know what am I doing you've got that program there you've got that dedicated time also as a mentor now, which is 
didn't used to be you know you'd often be you know the fully qualified out of induction member of staff that's that's mentoring this person would be doing this on top of everything else of course they're still mentoring someone on top of their workload but they have this dedicated time particularly in, in secondary school where we're timetabling you know the, the early career teacher meetings are happening or they should be happening in that timetable so that they are meeting with that person that time is also protected for the mentor and that goes back really to my comment I made at the beginning about the the change isn't just this you know this new framework isn't just impacting those people who are qualifying and coming in as an early career teacher it's having an impact on timetabling budget classes you know and then all those members of staff that, that, that work around that to wrap around the care of that early career teacher so whole school really isn't it having an impact but it's fantastic that there's time being made because those conversations those really important conversations which actually move your your learning forward as a teacher take time don't they they you've got to have that time dedicated as you say which is which sounds really positive um i think at this point it'd be really good to bring sarah in so this is sarah woodman who is an early career teacher and she is working in a school in Whitney, which is just um, outside Oxford at the moment. She did her um, degree in Reading, which is a BA honours in film and theatre. Um, and it'd just be lovely to talk to her about her experience of the early career framework since September, really. Hello, thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about, just, just a little bit about yourself, first of all. So what led you to become a drama teacher? Well, I think for me, um, I always enjoy drama and theatre and I knew that I wanted to pursue that in some way. But I discovered quite quickly from starting my degree that in terms of performing or creating theatre probably wasn't for me, that I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed discussing it, but going into that type of community and world didn't suit me. And then it became quite apparent to me quite quickly, especially when I took on a job as a um, at a Saturday drama school helping with young children that actually that was what suited me best was working with young people and actually getting to use what I enjoyed which was theatre in a really positive productive way. Lovely and how did you find the your PGCE year last year because obviously with Covid that must have been pretty challenging to do your trainee year in that context. Yes, it was definitely a strange year, I think, for anybody that decided to pursue their teacher training last year. I know I applied for the course, I think, um, about, I think it was January, so about a month before everything suddenly started happening and changing, we realised that it was going to be a very strange year. But um, I was very fortunate, though, in what in my teacher training and my school placement, because the school I was in still did a fairly big amount of practical drama so I did get to have that experience in the classroom. It was very strange though because one of my placements was purely online so I did work with one school where I never met the students all that were they were were voices on a screen so that was bizarre but it was actually still very beneficial and got a lot of support there that I needed but I think because that year was so strange in many ways that actually the ECT coming in now and this big change of the longer support is really beneficial and makes so much sense. 
really welcomed by your cohort, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And Holly was just talking about mentors. And do you have a, a specialist drama mentor? Yes. So I'm very fortunate in that the department that I'm working in at my school is there is two drama there are two drama teachers. So my mentor is the other drama colleague, and she's very experienced within the school and with teaching drama. But I know that there are many other, particularly within drama and other art subjects, where their mentors are not drama specialists or their subject specialists. Holly, are you mentoring any drama specialists at the moment? I'm not. Um, but, you know, previously I've had my now head of department in drama was an NQT when he was head of department. Um, and you think about I ended I did mentor him but you know as an assistant principal with the drama specialism but there are a lot of departments out there particularly with drama where there's maybe only one person in the department and often that that person is an NQT themselves or they won't be now but, you know or an ECT um and they do they have said well we've been on sort of those people who are um induction mentors or the, the member of SLT that's overseeing the early career framework there have been conversations around does it need to be a subject specialist when you look at some of the units you know is it just you know the understanding of learning to learn and teaching more widely um but i would say in the art subjects particularly when you really get underneath and sort of the pedagogy and the approaches that what you're going to do you're going to want a subject specialist you're not you know when you haven't got tables and chairs and someone's talking to you about your seating plan and how great that is in a maths classroom or something that's that's not helpful as, as a drama ECT because you're going to be thinking, but I can't apply those things in quite the same way. And although you can learn from other colleagues with other subject specialisms and a lot of the things that they do, you, you can creatively you know, adapt and modify to work in your setting. I would say you can probably adapt and modify that the more experience you've had to be able to think, oh yeah, I get what they mean. I can't quite use it like that. However, I'll do X. But as an ECT, you're, you're not quite in that place yet. So you really need that kind of modelling and that shaping and that supporting as you get to those units where you're really looking at the kind of the application within your subject. So I suppose it does really depend on your setting, doesn't it, and the support that you get. But maybe there are, particularly if maybe people work in academy trusts, they might have an opportunity to connect with other teachers within the academy trust possibly as well and I know Sarah you've been saying you've been doing a lot of um is it mostly been zoom meetings with people in other contexts and schools as well that have been really really useful yes so we have planned that there will be some face-to-face -face meetings so kind of fingers crossed looking forward to those that they will get to take place but currently it's all been zoom online and one meeting that I found particularly useful that I had this week was um, I was in a particular, well, as we all know now, these breakout rooms that we have with other arts colleagues. So PE, art and music from different schools and speaking to them, even though they weren't drama, I got some really useful tips from some of them about actually ideas that they do within their classes. Um, just one being an example of I was struggling with a year seven class and getting them all working together. And the PE teacher mentioned that instead of the focus of the lesson being learning certain skills within football, the, the learning is actually working together. And if you've worked together really well, then that is what you're going to be rewarding on. And I can really easily apply that within a drama lesson. So just that little bit of feedback from her and her school, I know now I'm going to take into my own practice. 
So I think those are the really beneficial and useful moments within this new kind of structure. Fantastic. So I think we, we sort of talked around it a little bit, but it'd be really good to, to sort of drill down a little bit now in terms of the, the early career framework, in terms of how have you found it, um, Sarah, actually engaging with it? Has it been um, time consuming? Has it been beneficial? Have you feel it's really connected with your subjects? Um, have you found it since September? I think that you definitely need to dedicate a lot of time to this new way of doing it, to the ECT course. But I think along with all this kind of extra time that is spent with it and the, the reading that you're required to do and the kind of all the meetings, there is a reassurance there of you do feel like you are still training, that you're not expected to know everything and be a fully established teacher, that they are having you do this reading, making these discussions, filling in this paperwork, keeping trackers to making sure that you are doing everything in order to check that you understand that you're not expected to suddenly be in the classroom and teaching and being amazing, that actually there are still things for you to learn. And that I think when I think about it, is why this new kind of ECT framework works because in many ways it does lead on quite nicely I think from the PGCE because I'm used to filling in paperwork about what I've been doing I'm used to be doing this extra reading and pedagogy and having that catch up once a week with a mentor was one of the best parts of my training was one of the most helpful and getting to still do that within the ECT I think it makes such an improvement in when I then go in next week to teach again like I because all of my questions that I have can be addressed in that meeting and it sounds like you know you really enjoy engaging with those materials which 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 do look excellent Holly I must admit that they do look really really great and really rooted in um, theory and you know really you know I, th I think the way that they've actually been developed look, looks fantastic do you agree yeah, I, I, there is such, as I made the comment earlier, that the structure and the content is so much, so much more uh, depth to it than that there used to be. Um, and I would, it would say those colleagues that actually ended up with the end of their sort of NQT year in the in the pandemic and then started their NQT plus one last year are actually the kind of the cohort that have, have suffered most really in terms of they've, they've not really had that support for a full year as an NQT and then they've also kind of missed out on this new framework that's come in um, and the NQTs that trained last year's in 2020 to 2021 um, some of those there was a little bit of un uncertainty at the beginning of last academic year about whether those NQTs would, would transfer onto the um, early career framework but the second year of it and of course it then came to light that that wasn't going to be the case and I think they felt that they'd slightly they'd been missed out slightly. Um, the government have recently backtracked on that. And they're not getting the, the, the second year kind of structure and the programming and the, the coaching and the mentoring in quite the same way. But they are now being given or the schools are being given the funding to allow them that five percent time if they need it as a consequence of that disruption last year. Um, and schools are all, you know, obviously doing different things to ad address that. It's always difficult because the government have obviously dropped that once timetables have already been set and the impact obviously suddenly needing to find five percent when you're already at capacity within your, your teaching load. Um, but uh, school's going to do what they can to obviously support those people because as I said at the beginning it's all around recruitment and retention. 
It sounds fantastic. It sounds, you know, it sounds really great the way the way that it has started, you know, starting to be implemented in schools. Um, Sarah, would you say that there's anything that you feel you need more support with? I suppose for me personally, I know even going from my teacher training that behaviour management was something that I knew I would have to continually work at. And I think that um, due to the pandemic as a whole, I think students themselves, especially within within drama and our practical subjects, they're not used to that. Like for me, it was a huge shock suddenly teaching in a circle where all the students can be sat next to each other. I was like, how on earth do I do this? This is bizarre. And I think things like that, it's small things that you kind of want the extra support on. And I think it's finding time to speak to as many colleagues as you can to be able to get extra ideas. I think that's where the support is. I think we could all we could all do with with more time. I think that's our key thing is there's never enough time for everything you want to do. But um, I think with support as a whole of just be, I think being able to talk to as many drama specific colleagues as well so I think that's where having these kind of online communities of drama teachers are where it is really most beneficial. Which is what Open Drama is doing this month aren't you Holly you've got this fantastic month which is all about supporting ECTs do you want, do you want to tell us a little bit about the activities that you've got in, in November? Yeah so so yes yeah, so back in November um, <laughs> ran a um, November themed month about ECTs um, and we, we said kind of November's all about you and, and being new and tried to make a sort of rhyme of that to hopefully help it catch on. Um, uh, yeah, so we, we've, we have recorded this, um, this podcast in November where we've touched base with Sarah um, and been hosted obviously by, by Lucy and doing that as a kind of joint collaboration with We Teach Drama who are also fantastic at bringing teachers together and supporting them. And this will obviously go out in January 2022 when um, all our ECTs of this year will have done their first full term and often referred to as the most difficult term where it gets dark and cold. And, you know, it's the, the two long terms. Um, we shared some top tips with some book recommendations. And we also talked about the mentoring um, from the, the, the qualified drama teacher perspective, who's obviously mentoring the ECT and how that's now different and changes from the NQT. Um, we reminded um, colleagues about the content that we have on YouTube, which is that recording um, from the summer of 2020, where Maya Bull, who at the time was our Northwest um, champion, worked with um, Manchester Metropolitan University to put together a load of pre-recorded um, five to ten minute um, contents from various different drama teachers of different specialisms and different backgrounds. Um, sharing input and information and, and kind of useful tips and I think some colleagues have, have gone back to those and re-looked at them and well we can obviously see how many times they're viewed and there's some of those that get viewed quite often which is really nice and you know that content stays there um, and it was a really good idea of, of Myers to do that because there was a lot of there was a lot of webinars and a lot of things that happened during the first lockdown which a lot of people now can't go back to and, and, and relook at. So it's nice to have that content that's there. It's, you know, for every year, every cohort we have of either ITTs or ECTs, that's there for them to go back and, and reflect on. So it seems like the new early career framework is pretty positive, really. But Holly, I know that you've obviously been working as a teacher for quite a few years, so you'll be aware of 
the, the previous sort of system in terms of the induction period for NQTs. Would you say there's anything that maybe isn't uh, working as well or any sort of teething problems has been with this particular framework? Yeah, I, I think the, the, the biggest thing is obviously there's been a lot of prior work needed for those people who are mentoring or indeed those colleagues who are the early career teacher and induction lead or those members of staff in SLT who have prior to this academic year had to obviously still do the work they did last year and get their head around the framework and what that what that would entail um, and this this coaching model that has now come about um, is kind of a, a term banded around by a lot of people um, but actually to, to truly to truly coach and to support um, teachers that's that's that's, a, that's another layer on from being a teacher um, and I'm not sure, I can't say hand on heart that, you know, all those members of staff that are mentoring and supporting colleagues are either A, having enough time to truly understand how vital their role is and what that kind of coaching model means and what they really have to do. Um, and I know that obviously everyone's working with, with different providers um, and different appropriate bodies will be overseeing what they're doing. Um, I know we're working with the Ambition Institute um, and that their structure and what they're doing is, is incredible for the early career teachers. Um, but the, the, the mentors, although they also have the same structure, the workload that, that comes with that, and not necessarily because it's the Ambition Institute, just, just, in, on, just this new framework on top of what they do, um, it is a lot. Um, and although your time is protected, Yes, your time is protected, but all the other jobs of teaching haven't gone anywhere. You've still got to assess your classes. You've still got to do everything else. Um, and if you've got a full-time colleague or, or anyone sort of 0.5 up, you're meeting every week um, with that time. Um, it doesn't impact for an ECT. It doesn't impact their pay progression that it's over two years. So that's, you know, something good and something to, you know, that's obviously been thought about because, you know, you, you can move from M1, M2 or wherever it is you may start from. That's not that's not been impacted. And again, for drama teachers who may want in their second year, their, you know, the, the second year of their induction to pick up being a, a second in department or head of department or picking up some whole school responsibility leading on cultural capital or something. You know that TLR is is there for them. They they're not thinking, oh, I can't do that yet. Um, and they've been quite clear about that. They've said to you know to senior colleagues, don't it doesn't impact their pay progression. Um, there is an impact on timetabling. Um, it's quite significant for colleagues. If you employ an early career teacher, you know that you haven't just got the one year of them with a reduced timetable. You've got the two. Um, and I would say with my kind of my, my female mother hat on that if you wish to do this part-time now you, you know you go 0.5 you're you're an early career teacher for four years which is significant probably going to affect women more so than it is men um because that's you know that's the way it is um so those, those part-time teachers are in induction essentially for quite a long time and with drama departments often you may slightly tip over an allocation of a you know timetabling and you think right I need a 0.2 drama teacher well if you're 0.2 in your early career you know eight years <laughs> induction you know that that's a that's a big commitment a from the school and b for that that train you know that kind of getting your head and around that thinking I'm, I'm going to be in this kind of early career teacher category for, for quite some time 
So, yeah, I mean, it has been a huge shift, hasn't it? And I think there was quite a lot of talk leading up to September, particularly in the summer term, about, you know, the fact that, that people didn't feel prepared for this. I think that was a huge thing, wasn't it, that I was reading about. Um, so I think people are catching up, as you say, it's something which has impact, impacts on the whole school, whether you're working directly with ECTs or not. And it does sound like it hasn't been maybe been rushed in slightly. Okay, so Holly, you've been talking about how important the mentor is in the, in the new framework. Um, do you have any um, top tips for mentors who might be mentoring any teacher really, but maybe maybe drama teachers in particular? Yeah, um, obviously it will depend on the approach that the school has taken for their ECTs. Um, but like we've said earlier, I think the bulk majority of them are obviously um, funded through the provider-led programme. Um, and by default, obviously, a drama, drama department is often smaller. Um, but I would definitely say that anyone mentoring can look to other ECT mentors in, in their building or in their trust. So they've got other people that they can talk to because they'll all be in the same boat in terms of regardless of subject, what they're having to do for their early career teacher. Definitely um, leaning on their early career teacher coordinator that induction coordinator, that role is really important. They're the kind of conduit between your appropriate body and, and your SLT. I like managing an incredible colleague, um, Paula, who does a, a fantastic job kind of on the ground operationally looking after ECTs. And then obviously the SLT link is, is more kind of strategic and ensuring the funding there and all the different things are happening. Um, and, and I think often mentors can feel they're isolated and they're looking after their ECT, but, you know, do lean on your, your early career teacher in, induction um, and, and your, your SLT link that's, that's looking after them because, you know, that, that's their job, that, that's what they're there for. Your subject association. I would, you know, we've got national drama, we've got the National Association of Teaching Drama, we've got open drama. We're not in a subject association, but we are here doing these sorts of things to support. We teach drama. There are all these organisations that are there to, to support so people don't feel alone or if they want to ask questions or find out good practice and top tips from others. Um, and I think the last thing that I really want to say, which I think is important, we always talk about safeguarding. We, we talk around the safeguarding of our young people, and, you know, when we've got visitors in and all this kind of thing. But I think that there needs to be a kind of a point where we think about the safeguarding of our, our early career teachers and those kind of those warning signs, those flags that may come up where, you know, tipping the balance with the workload and particularly as they move from year one into year two and that 5% comes in rather than the 10% and just kind of, supporting them and looking out for them and thinking about um, things you can signpost them to and really consider how you know their mental health and well-being particularly as a, as a drama teacher it can you probably are going to be the only ECT drama teacher um, and you'll you want to know that the feelings you're feeling or the thoughts that they've got are normal um, and other drama teachers are also as tired just down the road or anywhere else I think that's really important that the mentor because we, we you know we've been teaching for a long time you, you forget that the thought of suddenly auditioning for the school play or running a school trip's like yeah it's easy just fill in a form get them to do this get them to do that but actually as an early career teacher operations need to be thought about yeah, doing those things for the first time is huge, isn't it? It, it really takes time to, to build our confidence with those things, absolutely. Um, Sarah, what are the sorts of things you talk about with your mentor in your meetings? 
So with my mentor, so we have our meeting once a week, you have your mentor sessions and how we tend to structure our meetings is we will have a general kind of catching up with things, how things have gone this week. I'm, I'm very lucky and as I said that my mentor is a drama specialist and we spend our days when we're not teaching in an office together so we can kind of catch up just throughout the week and then within our meetings we will discuss most because majority of the time with every week I'm with them um, UCL in terms of the provider and they tend to give us um reading for us to do and so I will discuss with my mentor what the reading has talked about the ideas the pedagogy that it suggests and what is most helpful is then when I are given the tasks that um, relates the reading to my own classes and sometimes this reading is more beneficial than others depending on really how broad it is because as being a practical subject if they are reading that's really tied to classrooms then sometimes it is doesn't fit me as much but we always discuss and find ways to relate it back to my own classes and things that I am having issues with and then we work on um, my mentor she will give me advice on different approaches to take it and then we will kind of set myself next steps and goals to then use for my classes next week and that then works out really well um but I think something that is useful to add though in general is that what I found really helps me and supports me being an ECT is that there are three other ECTs at my school they are not drama they are English maths and science but whenever I just find time in my day to catch up with them, like for me, Mondays are really hard, but I have period five free and so does the maths ECT. So we always catch up on that Friday and on that Monday, sorry, that Monday period five and discuss kind of anything that's gone wrong. We kind of unload with each other. And that I think is one of the most useful parts of my week is just that really honest discussion and catch up with someone you know is feeling the exact same as you even though they're teaching maths which is probably miles away from drama but that is but that's really... also really nice having a perspective on a completely different subject as well isn't it it's sometimes really refreshing and have you have you had a chance to observe them at all or um, I I did see a snippet of it when I um, just had to go and speak to a student that was in their lesson and just kind of from seeing that was nice to get a little glimpse into them but I think just seeing as many kind of different lessons as you can I found for me observing a PE lesson was really eye-opening getting to see that and it is just having these discussions and realizing that everybody whether they are the same subject to you as not are feeling the exact same everyone has those classes that don't go to plan and just of managing to put those classes that didn't get a plan aside and focus on actually those moments where it does work and you know that you can do this I think that's a lovely note to end on Holly what do you think it's always good to end on a positive <laughs> That's lovely. Thank you so much for joining me today, Holly and Sarah. Sarah, best of luck with the rest of your ECT year. We really hope maybe we can try and catch up towards the end of the year or maybe during your second year. That'd be really nice to hear how you're getting on. And it sounds like, you know, you're doing really well. So um, thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this month's episode.
We hope that whether you're considering training to be a drama teacher, are currently in training, or you're a current ECT, or potentially mentoring an ECT, or maybe you are indeed a theatre educator that's supporting a drama department that may have an ECT. We hope there's something for everyone to take from this month's episode. A huge thank you to Lucy from We Teach Drama for hosting, and we hope to be back later in the series to see how Sarah has got on in the rest of her first year as an ECT. Until next month.